Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And today we're talking about a, a topic that we have never discussed at length on this show. We've certainly, you know, breached the subject, but we have not zeroed in on this. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So we're talking about the app ecosystem for 2020. What do you need to know? What you you consider? Do you need an app? Do you not need an app? Hey, e-commerce evolution listeners, Brett Curry here. I have a really cool announcement and an invite just for you. In February, OMG Commerce is hosting an exclusive invite-only event at the Google and YouTube offices in Los Angeles. Now, if you've never experienced a Google office, they really do live up to the hype. And the Google offices in LA are some of the most unique around. More on the venue in a minute. First, let me give you the scoop on the event itself. It's called YouTube Ads for E-Commerce, Building Full Funnel Growth with YouTube Ads. I'll be speaking at this event, sharing some of our best YouTube ad strategies, some of our most successful YouTube ad templates, and more. And you'll get to hear directly from some amazing YouTube team members, including some incredible content from the Unskippable Labs team. Now, I've seen this content before, and it's amazing. Uh, I'm so excited about this event. But here's the best part. It's free, but it is invite-only, and you do have to apply and be approved to attend because seating is limited. So sorry, no agencies, no service providers. This is just for e-commerce companies. Now, as promised, more about the venue. This will be held at the Spruce Goose Hangar. This hangar was initially built by the mogul Howard Hughes. And if you've ever seen the movie The Aviator with Leonardo DiCaprio, then you know all about Howard Hughes and his Spruce Goose. This hangar was recently renovated in true Google fashion. Now it's a cutting-edge YouTube studio and Google offices, and that's where we're holding this event. It's going to be amazing. So to find out more, to check out the application, go to omgcommerce.com forward slash YouTube dash event. Again, that's omgcommerce.com forward slash YouTube dash event. I'll also link to the event page in the show notes of this show. And I hope to see you in LA. Really excited uh, to welcome my guest onto the show today. My guest is Chase Clymer. He's the co-founder of Electric Eye. And he's also the host. He's a fellow podcast host. Uh, love meeting other podcast host, but he hosts the Honest E-Commerce, hope I got that right, podcast. And so with that, Chase, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic today. You, you made it through. You billed me right. You, you, 10 out of 10 so far. Yes. Fantastic. We're really excited. So excited to talk apps and look at the app ecosystem. I think it's going to be super informative and really help give people the info they need to, to walk in with confidence and, and navigate the app ecosystem. Uh, before we do that, though, how did you get to this place? So, so give us the, you know, the 90 second background on how you, you know, founded Electric Eye, but how you got into e-commerce in the first place. Uh, yeah. So uh, way back when I was in a punk rock band and that didn't pay the bills yeah, at were. all. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, I, I learned web design. I started to learn advertising. I started to learn, you know, 
get a little closer to the money, as they say. I started to kind of dive into e-commerce when my business partner left his company, uh, and we were teaming a bunch of a bunch of projects together. You know, we we asked each other, like, do you want to start something real here? And like, oh, we're having fun freelancing. So obviously, six months later, we had an agency with like a full a full thing of clients, and we had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> Luckily, that was five years ago. Now uh, we do know what we're doing. You know, it took Beautiful. a while, but we figured it out. Uh, so now we've got a, a fun, solid team, a fully remote agency. We really like that lifestyle as well. Um, but all we're doing out here is helping e-commerce brands grow with smart marketing and beautiful design. And kind of through that, I started the podcast uh, to talk to people like yourself and other agencies and just, you know, be in the space and get to know stuff. It keeps me on my toes. Yep. I love it. I love doing podcasts for a lot of reasons. One of them is just connecting with great people. So you're, uh, you've are you been aggressive though. How long have you been doing the podcast and how many episodes do you have now? Uh, I've been doing the podcast for just over a year. I think we're at like episode 60 is coming out this week. Beautiful. Uh, so we we did we do a podcast a week um, and it was, uh, it was a big undertaking, but I've got some people that help me out on the inside. So all I have to do is, is find cool people and hopefully have an okay conversation. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way. Uh, it, it, there is quite a bit of work uh, in launching a podcast. It really is better if you have a team. You don't have to, but I'm the same way. I uh, I just show up and, and and hopefully conduct a good interview, and I've got a team that, that runs the rest, which is beautiful. So, uh, hey, I got to know, um, what was the name of your punk rock band? Okay, so uh, this was when I was younger, so take it with a grain of salt. So me and a bunch of buddies were in a band called City Lights out of Columbus, Ohio. It was pop punk. Uh, we kind of hit a glass Lights. ceiling. Everyone had better opportunities. And uh, funny enough, some of the people that were in that band are in other giant bands now, and one of them is a currently a client. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I was just thinking, do you, do you watch the show Parks and Rec? I do. The first, the first I think it's the first season, uh, Chris Pratt, his character is going through the evolution of all the names. So anytime I talk to someone about the name of their band, I always go back to Chris Pratt rattling off like the 15 names his band had. I was just trying to remember some of the names and I, I can't remember, but they were, they were, uh, they were hilarious. Yeah, I think uh, they settled on Mouse Rat was like the name for the longest time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they went back and forth on Mouse Rat. And uh, anyway, yeah, good, good times. Uh, I, luckily, I luckily had nothing to do with the name. Uh, I'm pretty sure it came from someone putting it into that hero game and it looked cool on the, on the TV. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, that's a good band name. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So let's dive in, man. Let's talk about this topic, the app ecosystem right now. What should we be considering? What should we be thinking about? And so um, as we approach this subject, what what are kind of well? Do you want do you want to frame the app ecosystem at all, and and then and then do that, but then let's talk about hey, what are the first things you need to consider when Absolutely. looking at an app? Sure. So um, this came up. Uh, we had a pre-interview a few weeks ago, and this was right after I had done a lot of kind of quick consulting gigs for a bunch of for a bunch of brands, and it was essentially I was just running through their website in and out. Uh, you know, giving just my first thoughts. And what I was noticing was repeating with all these accounts I was looking at is they had way too many apps installed. And that is a trend that I see across almost every store I look at, you know, any client we're helping, it's usually they have way too many apps installed. And people don't understand that that is actually a detriment to your store. And it's probably affecting your conversion rate. You're probably paying for stuff you don't need to be paying for. 
Um, so that's kind of where the idea for this podcast came from, uh, just kind of set the, the tone. So yeah, we're talking kind of very specifically about the Shopify ecosystem here, but I'm sure that you can take some of this uh, and apply it Absolutely. to any other platforms that are out there. Yep. Uh, yep. And then so we'll focus the- on Shopify, but, but this, the same concept applies whether you're on Woo or you're looking at extensions from Magento or whatever the case may be. So a lot of these principles will hold true. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. And so, uh, you know, I, I kind of had a flashback to the old Apple commercials, you know, pushing the iPad and the iPhone and the, hey, there's an app for that, right? And and that's the way it is in the Shopify ecosystem. And so many benefits to apps. We'll talk about those. But I think we, uh, as store owners, can get this mindset of, hey, I'll just add this app. I'll add that app. Oh, man, I'll just I'll go app crazy, man, because there's an app for everything and why not try it? But you talk about you know, having too many apps will hurt your conversion rate and and could be impacting your site. Talk about some of the drawbacks to having too many apps. Absolutely. So the first and foremost, the biggest drawback, and this is one that people don't get until someone specifically tells them, is that when you install an app into your store, it's installing code into your theme. And you know, I want to test this app out. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna install it, and then I'm gonna get rid of it. And you know, no one's the wiser. Nothing, nothing bad's happened, right? Well, honestly, you're you're not thinking it all the way through. The second you click uninstall, that app no longer has access to your store, and that code is still there. It's still in that theme file. So now, if you just take this a step further and you're testing a, a an app a week, you've got so much junk just in the file of your theme that's slowing it down. And you're like, oh, it's just a few lines of code. Well, sometimes, but sometimes it's calling a JavaScript file from somewhere else. Oftentimes it's calling the same JavaScript file. A lot of these things are built on the same frameworks, but you know, they'll be calling two or three of the same file because there's two, three apps doing almost the same thing. Um, you know, all of this is slowing down the performance of your store. Uh, and there's a lot of research done out there that, you know, the faster your store, the higher your conversion rate. And then the inverse is also true. So if you're just looking at it from a straight performance perspective, an extra line of code is a detriment to your store. So you want it to be zippy. Without a, without a doubt. We see that all the time. You know, we're, we operate as an agency on the traffic side, driving, you know, Google search, shopping, a lot of YouTube traffic. And, you know, if a client's site slows down, and we've seen this before, when it slows down, we'll, we'll feel the impact in all of our paid campaigns. So if you think about that, and, and you know, uh, losing a second in speed, and that's a decent amount, even lose, losing milliseconds in speed can have a pretty dramatic impact on your conversion rate. I've seen like a second can be 20, 30% drop in conversion rate. When you take that, then we have clients that are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars a month on various ad platforms and channels, that is extremely significant, right? So you may look at an app and say, oh, it's only 30 bucks a month, no big deal. Uh, and it's going to do all these things. Let me just try it, right? No harm. We'll just install the app, no harm. Yeah, but you get too many of those. You start installing an app a week, as you mentioned, or even less. And if they're not really serving a purpose that you need, slowing the site down, what is that costing you, both in, in terms of your paid traffic conversion rate decreasing also organic traffic and, and everything else. So, uh, yeah, so really valuable to think that through and think, okay, I'm adding this app. Is it worth the potential uh, loss of performance in terms of speed to add this functionality 
uh, with the app. And so uh, w- one thing that I think might be useful, and then I want to dig into to maybe some apps that people don't need, right? This, this may be useful just to say, hey, you probably don't need this app. So let, let's talk that through in just a second. But before we do, are, are, there, are there areas of the site that are more risky than others? And I think I know the answer to this, but are there, are there types of apps that you should really consider? Like, man, I don't know that I need this. Uh, my thought is in any, any app related to the cart itself, um, are the, is that the riskiest place to place an app or, or, or any, any thoughts on that? You know, I'm probably going to take uh, the coward's way out on that question. It's like, I don't know, test it. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, it, really, yeah, yeah. it, really, it really depends on the, on the customer base. Um, yep. But I would say what people end up doing, and we just had this happen the other day with a client of ours. They were looking for an upsell solution and they were a go-getter and they were doing stuff on their own. And I believe there was five or six that they tested in the week before they said they wanted to use one. And, you know, there was lines of code in that upsell app uh, left over in, in there. And then the one that they wanted to use, there was conflicts. And then it cost us hours of time digging in there, cleaning it up, making it work. You know, that's another byproduct of this. All that extra code is yep. going to interfere with other apps as well. Yep. Um, but going back to your, your direct question, uh, where do you think that what's most detriment? I would say the, the further down the funnel you are. Absolutely, yeah. the, like the, the the more streamlined you want that experience, yep. and the less that you want to play around with stuff. And one thing I'll mention is really quickly, and again, this is coming from our perspective because we we drive lots and lots of traffic for e-commerce companies. But you do something in the cart, right? You do an upsell, cross-sell, whatever uh, type of app, and we know some of the developers of some of those apps, and some of them are great, but. There are considerations you have to have. Uh, if you're not careful, it'll screw up your conversion tracking, right? So now I've got my Facebook pixel, I've got my Google pixel, I've got all these, these uh, conversion codes firing. Uh, now all of a sudden, and I'm using automated bidding, right? Which, which most people are now. So now I install this new app. It changes my conversion tracking. Now my campaigns are screwed up. Now my campaigns don't have good data. I don't have good data. Now, now things are getting messy. So uh, yeah, just lots of considerations here. So uh, anyway, uh, let's let's though talk about and, and and you mentioned to me, hey, the first question you have to ask is, do I need an app, right? So I want this functionality, but do I need an app, or is there another way? So what what are some what are some apps you probably don't need? So if you're on Shopify, these are some apps you can probably get away with, or get away without without having. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's probably the first thing. So anytime we we bring on a new client, or we're talking about maybe some CRO stuff or some performance stuff, we're like, you know, we're gonna let's take a look at the apps. That's the easiest win is to see what's going on in there. And we just run a basic audit, right? We copy and paste it into a Google spreadsheet and we go, what's this app do? Is it important? You know, and we kind of just start from there. So the number one thing that we usually see, which is hilarious, is people have two apps that do the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. Like even to the point where they have two upsell apps installed at the same time, um, you know, so most of the time they don't have them both firing. They're not both live, but they still have the they still have the demo app installed. They had the trial run there, and then they just let it go, and it's still installed in the store. That's still installed in your theme. That's still loading up when your when your website loads up. You know what I mean? So just leaving that stuff in there is a terrible idea. So the number one thing that it that I find funny is when you have two apps to do the same thing. Um, oftentimes there are some other ones that are doing the same thing. So people will have you know, maybe they'll have like a, a free shipping banner or a promotion bar at the top of the page. 
And there's something built into their theme that already does that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, why do you have two things that do this, like two solutions that do the same thing? Uh, another one that's kind of happens all the time is like restock alerts. Like they're one of their marketing apps, which we'll talk about that later. But like one of their marketing apps will have a resale, like a restock alert, but they have just an, an app that does that specific one little thing. I'm, you know, it's again, just going back to don't have two apps doing the same thing. So really run through your stuff and audit it. You know, uh, the other two that I've written down here that people usually have two of the same one is like, again, abandoned carts, those notifications doing two of the same exact things. Like if one's doing SMS, one's doing email, that makes sense. But if, you know, you got two different apps, both doing emails, why not just use one app to do it twice if that's how you want to run it? Yep, makes sense. And, and then um, then you talked about things like form builders and and uh, other pop-ups and stuff. Yeah, like yeah. That. So yeah. Just, just, beyond, just beyond the uh, using two apps to do the same thing or just two, two functionalities, just go and you know, create a relationship with a good developer or a good agency or consultant or freelancer or what what have you to help you just build in some of these simple code elements into your site. You don't need an app for a form builder. You can just hard code a form and drop that into your site. That'll load lightning fast compared to an app that has to load JavaScript and then load the form. And that's a bad loop that, you know, it's a slower user experience as well. Uh, other other things that you can just have your developers build in uh, pop-ups. Heck, half the time your better marketing apps have built-in pop-up solutions that you can customize out the wazoo. You don't need a specific app for pop-ups. Uh, and then if you just start talking about conversion rates, that's a whole other conversation about pop-ups. Sure, sure. Uh, but oftentimes on uh, the product page is where I see people go out of control with things that you don't really need. So they'll have apps that are installing like trust badges or installing tabs on the product page. Um, just hire a developer to code it out and you're going to be paying a couple hundred bucks, you know, for a, a smaller task, give or take your market. But then you're not paying a monthly fee for it and it's going right. to look exactly how you want and it's going to be lightning fast and it's not going to be interfering with anything. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I think sometimes we we don't think about the overall cost, the the total cost of ownership, if you will, or the the and the cost of unintended consequences with apps. So yeah, it's thirty bucks a month, but you're paying that forever. And if you can just hire a developer to build something to 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 put it into the theme, what is that going to be benefiting you in terms of Im- improved speed and performance? And then yeah, you only pay the, the fee once. So uh, mm-hmm. totally totally makes sense. Um, cool. You talk about identifying apps that are that are fighting with each other, right? And this is something we used to do quite a bit of work in the in the Magento space. We were never developers, always on the marketing side, but had a lot of Magento clients. And this is something we'd, we'd see all the time. Like, hey, they install they call it extensions at the time in the Magento space. But hey, install install these extensions, they break the site or they conflict with each other, and everything blows up, right? Um, how do you identify if apps are fighting with each other? Oh, I mean, that's a that's a difficult one. And that is usually the result of people doing what we're saying here is just installing stuff willy-nilly and not really having a good track record of what's going on in there. So it, it usually ends up that we have to have, you know, a senior developer go in there, take some backups and just start doing operation, finding out which lines of codes are, are, are having errors with it, and then just reverse engineering what's supposed to be happening. Um, and, and usually during the growth phase of, of 
these companies as like these e-commerce brands, it's usually during the growth phase that they're switching out apps. They're getting more powerful solutions. Uh, there's a lot of stuff happening really quickly. So they're not really using best practices. So you kind of end up with a theme, uh, you know, when they're starting to hit their, their growth, like you're, they're passing a million dollars in sales. Like their theme is usually terrible around that time in their, in their life, just because it wasn't something they were thinking about. So once they start, start thinking about performance and all this stuff, it's usually a good idea to like refactor the theme as a nerdy way of saying like rebuild it from the ground up code wise to make it really fast and make it like not have any of those errors. Um, and it's just something that's going to happen in the life cycle of your brand that you're going to have to, if you want to keep the design the same and you want to speed it up, like you're probably going to have to have someone with a good architectural mindset about how these things are supposed to be built, like re-theme it to get rid of all that old code. Great. Makes sense. I think, I think that's the, the advice of the day, right? If we had to zero in on, on this is the most important thing is, you know, that this is not one of those things where, Hey, I can just install it and then, you know, turn it off and it's all fine. I can just keep loading these up. No, that the, the code stays and there, there's some, some residual impact there. Think before you install an app and dig in a little bit. Um, is there anything, so you mentioned, you know, getting a senior developer to, to, um, get it back up at the site and kind of stress test a little bit to find if these apps are are fighting with each other. Is is there anything, any any kind of symptoms that might be flaring up that that uh, a Shopify store owner could see that could that could possibly tip them off that hey, I may have app conflict. I need to bring in a developer. Is it just site speed related? So now now things are really slowing down. I well, need I wanna, to. Yeah. I want to go back a little bit though. Like, there's Great. a way to avoid this completely. How's that? It's it's from the start, just have have be like knowledgeable. Like I don't I'm not gonna test these apps. I'm gonna ask someone that knows what they're talking about which app to use so I don't have to buy twice, you know, to get to what I need. Just get the right one the first time. So that that's talking to a consultant or a freelancer or someone in the ecosystem. I I tweet stuff all the time. I'm like, hey, we're this is we're having problems with this type of solution. Like, what's a good solution for this problem? Um, you know, just ask people smarter than you and they'll give you the answer. Um, that's an easy way to do it. But if you do want to test something, just take a backup of your theme right then and there. <laughs> Don't install anything yet and then install it in the new theme. And then you have, then you can revert it back to the previous version of it and it won't have any of that code in there. It's just a little bit extra legwork, but then you're saving yourself from having all of these lines of code added to yeah. your theme. It's a little, it's extra upfront legwork, right? And that, and that feels, painful, but it will save you so much time and headache and, and heartache that, it, that it's totally worth it. Um, yeah. Especially the, like most, the, the, the best thing about Shopify is it really allows entrepreneurs to just do it, you know, get out there, start selling stuff and having fun with it, which means that oftentimes the founding teams don't have a developer's mindset. I'm not a developer, but I know all of these issues because we run into them all the time now. You know, there's usually not a developer on the team. There's not, there's not probably nothing versioning the website which means like taking backups and knowing like where the new code's coming from and all the forks and all the fun stuff that you'll find on GitHub and similar solutions. Like there's no one doing that for these websites. So then you end up with like something that's got all sorts of random lines of code in there. You know, I guess that's a, that's something to think about with the ease of use of some of these sites. Like then you end up with these fun issues like that. Sure. Makes sense. So let's dive into when should you consider an app? Right. So what types of functionality should you say? Okay, so so these categories, you're looking for this, 
this kind of functionality, yeah, look at an app because it's going to be better for you than than hard coding or or uh, working with a developer. Yeah. So I think the first thing is kind of understanding the limitations of the platform you're on. Shopify is really, really, really good at their one competency, which is selling something to a customer online through their platform. That's it. That's like the best. That's the thing they're the best at. Everything that kind of gets a little bit further away from that is a little outside of that sweet spot. So it usually comes in the form of like kind of more robust systems that you want to add into your business. So like a, a one right off the top of my head would be kind of once you get past the sale, Shopify doesn't care anymore. So anything in the fulfillment development area. So like you're talking about like pick, pack, ship, uh, getting the uh, like the uh, codes emailed to your customers about their, their, their tracking information. All that stuff, you know, there are better solutions out there than what you're going to find natively on Shopify. So, you know, that makes sense. I would, I would probably say that's, that's something you should probably have installed in your store. So a solution like a ship station or an order cup, uh, there's a bunch of them in the fulfillment area. You know, that makes sense because that kind of is outside of the core competency of the platform. And you're going to see kind of a theme here when I start talking about these other areas of a business that aren't the, the online store. You know, so the next one would be like in marketing, there are a crap ton of reasons to use other other platforms, like your email marketing platforms. Shopify doesn't have that built in. And I, anyone that goes from Shopify's abandoned carts to like a more robust abandoned cart solution, like will immediately be like, why didn't I do this on day one? Something like a Clavio as an example. Yeah, yeah. Clavio, there's a million of them out there, but I'm a I'm a big Clavio fan. Me too. If you want someone to tell you to to pick right the first time, Clavio is the solution. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. No, followed Clavio from the very beginning, uh, primarily through my buddies, the uh, Austin Bronner and Chad Vanig's uh, e-commerce uh, influence. But yeah, they 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 introduced me to Clavio years and years ago, and yeah, it's just a great solution. So, so basically, we're looking. I want I want to I want you to give more specifics here. But basically, what we're looking at is if it's something that's outside the core competency of Shopify, that's when you look for an app. So, what what are some other areas? We got fulfillment. Things like ShipStation, whatnot, e- uh, email apps like Clavia. What what other areas, categories of things should you consider? This is something you're probably very familiar with: is getting a data feed out of Shopify and into your uh, marketing yeah, platform yeah, sure. of choice, your paid platform of choice. Really, is what I'm talking about here. Yep. So you know, getting a, a good clean feed out of Shopify to import into Google or Pinterest or Facebook, however you want to do that. Yeah, uh, and what's interesting, and I'll just I'll just because this is this is one of our areas. Uh, just one of the quick things to consider there is is you can directly connect Shopify to Google Ads as an example for Google Shopping, but it, it creates some pretty serious limitations in my opinion. So this is where some of the apps you invest in for a good data feed. Yes, there's often some monthly fees associated there, but the the level of customization you can create. And the, the the cleanliness of the feed and just like the... Because uh, the feed becomes your ad in Google Shopping as an example. So getting the right app to feed the... Uh, to get a good feed into Google Ads or Facebook or wherever, totally worth it. It's going gonna, gonna to have a dramatic impact on your, your marketing efforts there where, you know, looking to save a couple bucks by doing the direct integration. It's not as good. At least not right now. It's not as good. Oh, yeah. So yeah, yeah, fully agree with that one. We we do uh, Facebook advertising for a lot of clients, and the first thing we do is replace their feed. The native integration between Shopify and Facebook is hilarious at best. Uh, you know, getting Same down on the Google side, yeah, yeah, yeah. We 
we off, we recommend the same solution for both of them, and it's a software called A10 Software. I don't know what you use, but that's the one we recommend. It's a it's a good deal for what it does, um, but that's the one we usually recommend. Yeah, I've not used that one. We we use Data Feed Watch a decent amount. Go Data Feed. There's there's a couple of the, the good ones. Those are services as well. But A10, I'll have to check it out. Absolutely. Uh, sure. So just cool. to run down the list here, uh, ones that are pretty pretty useful to have installed after a while. Uh, any help desk solution. Any ticketing system, you know, that's never going to be on Shopify's radar. So we're talking about gorgeous. You know, the number one player in the, the field is probably Zendesk. Click solutions like that to help with keeping your customers happy, keeping track of their inquiries with your business. You know, those are going to be things that make sense to have installed in your store. Some other stuff is um, if you have an inventory on your website that changes a lot, um, that's when I think it's useful to have a smart search solution uh, that's powered by an app. You can hard code it in. If your inventory is 12 items long, like 12, 12 SKUs, like you don't need an app. You can just hard code it. But if you've got thousands of, of SKUs that are changing, you know, daily, weekly, you've got sizes that are always running out. You probably want a solution that can update in real time your solution, like your search results within the website. We're talking about like your your mobile search. People are lazy. They're not going to go through your filters. They're going to type in what they want there. Yep. <laughs> Having a solution that can quickly update that and get them to the product they want, that's always a good investment. Yeah, and one of the great things about some of the smart search uh, apps and services is they will apply some some basic machine learning and potentially AI, but I think it's probably more machine learning of looking at, okay, when people type in this type of search, these are the results I show them, but what's clicked on the most and what leads to, what leads to a better outcome? And then they, they will adjust the results accordingly. And so that's one of those things like you're not going to custom code that necessarily or, or get a developer to build that with any kind of cost efficiency, but some of these smart search apps and services will do that for you. Uh, apply some machine learning to to improve the results over time as results are observed. So yeah, love that, love that recommendation. And just on the on the topic of smart searches, that right there is an easy win for anyone that doesn't have one on their store, especially sure. on mobile. Um, people are lazy, like I said earlier. They're going to type in something and spell it the wrong way, and if your website can't get them to the product they want, they're going to bounce. So that's yep. an easy, just an easy, quick CRO win is having like an auto search and a good user experience on mobile that can get them to a product. So I, I love it. Just, just kind of a quick, a quick uh, funny aside. And, and I'm sure uh, others listening are the same way, but I find myself now when I go to a physical store and I, and I love to, I love to shop online. I don't like going to physical stores in most cases. Sometimes I do. Uh, but I find myself, I'm like, I'm wandering the grocery store. I've been lost for 15 minutes, you know, and I'm like, why can't I just search? Like, I just want to type. I just want to say the thing that I want and I want it to appear and I want to buy it, right? But uh, a site without good site search, smart search is kind of the same way, right? I just want to find what I want to find, uh, but you're making it really, really difficult for me. And so, you know, if I'm already in a store, I'm not going to walk out in frustration too quickly because that's a waste of time. But if I'm online and I'm on a site and it's not giving me what I want, I'm, I'm gone, you know? So uh, smart search is so important. Absolutely. I got three more uh, that I have written down on this list here. Um, so the next one would be product reviews. Um, the the built-in one to Shopify is extremely lacking. Um, and there are some great solutions out there for product reviews. Um, that is one. Just having social proof on your website helps regardless. Uh, there are, are apps out there that do it very well. 
and this is across the board. I know that there are solutions that are on Magento as well. Um, and also on big commerce, uh, the same players are in that space as well. Um, but yeah, having the social proof with those, those product review apps is definitely something to consider. And I just want to have an aside here that like, don't fake your reviews. It's trashy because <laughs> people yeah. are going to find out and Google's going to blacklist you. Yeah. Yeah. Such, such a bad idea for sure. Um, good. What, what about, what about something like, uh, product financing? This is something that we're seeing a little bit more of. And I think, especially for high ticket items, it can make a, a lot of sense. Um, we're all, we've all, we've also seen, I've had a, another guest on the show talking about those apps specifically mm-hmm. talking about how millennials and Gen Z often don't have credit cards, but they have debit cards. And so they like having these payment plans and stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. but, but any, any thoughts on, on product financing apps? Yeah, no, you, uh, that's another quick win. Like the, the smart search solutions we were talking about, that's going to, you know, overnight change your conversion rate. Um, those are very helpful. Uh, and you should definitely, you know, consider having one. There's apps like Klarna, Afterpay. Uh, I think there's 4Pay is another one of them. You know, there's, there's many solutions out there. They all kind of do the same thing. But what they really all do is they do increase your conversion rate. And that's something that Shopify is never going to offer. Yep, totally makes sense. Okay, awesome. So this has been super helpful and enlightening. Kind of as we as we wrap up here a little bit. Um, what what about when do I begin considering? Okay, do I need another app or another handful of apps, or do I just need to go to to Shopify Plus? So if I'm on on basic Shopify, do I need to pull together a bunch of apps and I can I can win that way? When should I consider Shopify Plus? I think. From the financial perspective, if you're using Shopify Pay, there's like a straight legit threshold that you're going to hit to where Shopify Pay and the discount that you're going to get from moving from like advanced to pay on your payment processing fee. So I believe it goes from 2.7% down to 2.4%. I don't know what it is right now. I don't have it in front of me, but those are the numbers I have in my head. Um, It's somewhere around the $2 million mark of annual sales through your website a year to where just moving to plus will offset the cost of having plus just from that discount. So that's a quick just litmus test to see like, what are my sales like yet? Anything below that, you need to have a very specific reason of why you need the functionality of plus. And so there are three that always come to mind for me. And the first one I just talked about is having that discount on your payment processing. That's a big, that's a big thing. The next one is going to be access to Shopify, Shopify flow which is essentially Shopify's built-in automation solution. Uh, it's kind of like a Zapier or an If This and That just lives yep. inside your Shopify store. So it's really cool once you, once you build a business that gets to the point where you start to realize you can start pushing data around and pushing processes around outside of the e-commerce store. So, you know, sending specific things to your fulfillment warehouse or, you know, splitting up inventory in your warehouse. There's a lot of... It's very specific use cases. So I'm probably not going to say one right now that matters to anyone else listening. Right, But right. Needing, needing that level of automation and having Shopify flow is really there is, is, is a reason to think about it. And then another one is if you have really specific uh, kind of like sales that you want to do. And there are apps out there that do those sales. But you can get rid of them all if you can move to Plus and you can use the scripts that are built in. Because then you can just code the exact sale and it will work right every time. And then you won't have an issue with whatever solution you're using to make that sale happen. It'll just happen. And then another one out there, uh, 
that I've been actually using a lot more lately is uh, I think it's part of Flow or maybe it's, uh, I'm drawing a blank on what it's called, but it's a solution to schedule things to happen on your store, which is really cool. So instead nice. of like having to stay up until midnight to launch that sale, you can just schedule it and it'll happen. That's beautiful. And it'll turn off. And then it just, that just happens. So once you kind of start getting into building those systems within your business, some of those automations make sense that you kind of want to have access to them. And then like the holy grail that everybody wants when they're moving to Plus is, is having access to the cart, which I'd say having access to the cart is a good thing and a bad thing. Yeah, for um, sure, for sure. Make sure you always test it and make you sure... You do a lot of damage there if you, if you, if yeah, you don't know yeah. what you're doing or you do Shopify's too much. Shopify's got the number one most trusted default cart in the world because everyone's used to it. Yeah. So yep. Uh, yep. anything you're doing there is is can be scary. Yep, yep, for sure. That's one of those things where don't want to reinvent the wheel. Uh, if you've got something you're going to test on the cart, have a good reason for it. You should likely have some other case studies and use cases and people you've talked to that have said, yes, we made this shift and it worked. And then you better be prepared to test it and mm-hmm. see how it works for you for sure. So Absolutely test um, it. Don't just, don't just throw it in there because someone else did it and said it worked. That's, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Because there are every, very popular is- gurus out there that are like, these are the five tweaks that I did to my cart. And this is what happened. Those are the five winning tweaks out of the 500 tweaks that they tried that year. Yep. And they worked for his business because of their specific customer reacted to it the right way. Yep. They probably won't, won't work for your business. You should be testing everything. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Awesome. Chase, this has been fantastic. Uh, I love getting some insight here on the app ecosystem. This is a, a, an area that people just have to... Uh, Proceed with caution. Uh, if you approach this with some wisdom and a strategy, it can be amazing. If you don't, if you're kind of willy-nilly to use your uh, phrase, I think that actually fits in this case. Uh, bad things could be on the horizon for sure. So, hey, let's talk about your podcast. Um, Absolutely. You're now 60 episodes in. Congrats on that. That's amazing. Until you're being very consistent, just a little over a year in. That's, that's awesome. Uh, why should we listen? Why should we tune in? Other than you just being a really cool guy, why should we tune in? <laughs> Um, absolutely. So I'm interviewing, uh, kind of a lot of people in this app ecosystem is one thing. If you're ever curious about a certain app, I, the, I would say the ones that I use, I have on the podcast, um, and I get some really good information out of them. None of the episodes are like a sales pitch though. It's like, why do these apps exist? What's the use case for using apps like these? And then, you know, at the end, I'm like, gosh, sure. Give us like five details about your app that people might like. Yep. Uh, I'm yep. also interviewing other agency owners, other consultants out there in this space. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm all about being honest. I don't want to, that's kind of where the name came from is like, I, there's that shady get rich quick scheme element to e-commerce that I have a disdain for. And I want to be a voice of truth and reason within this ecosystem. So that's kind of why I do the podcast. And then I've been getting into a lot more interviewing actual brand owners, some very notable brand owners or people in the in those departments uh, and just getting it from them from the from the source of what they did and the mistakes they even made along the way to like how they built that business. Yep, I love it. I love it. I'm excited to dig deeper and kind of binge listen to some of the episodes myself, so that's awesome. And then uh, yeah, what about what about your agency? Talk a little bit about what you guys do there at Electric Eye and how can people find out more about both about the agency and about the podcast? Absolutely. So uh, I'm, I'm the co-founder of Electric Eye. Uh, if you have a website, you've got your product market fit, 
figured out and you're kind of trying to figure out what more you can do, uh, that's kind of the right fit for us. We like to help people with beautiful website designs and smart marketing. Uh, we have this app ecosystem nailed down. If you have questions about that, uh, you can reach out. If you know, if anyone listening to this podcast wants me to run through their site and give them an audit, just say I heard you on this podcast, and I'll do that for free. That's not a awesome. problem at all. Uh, if you want, if you want that, I, it's not a landing page or anything. Just reach out the right way, the normal way through our website. It's electriceye.io/connect, uh, and and you know I'll do that for anybody listening. And then if you want to, if you like uh, the sound of my voice, which I don't, um, <laughs> but if you do, you can find more of the podcast at honestecommerce.co. That's .co. How many people actually like the sound of their voice, right? It just doesn't, doesn't happen very often. I will say that I'm not sure if you're at this point, you, you, maybe you are at, at 60 uh, episodes, but there was definitely a time in my life when I was like, oh man, I hate the sound of my voice. Do I, do I really sound like that? That's so annoying. I ended up doing quite a bit of public speaking, um, uh, first at church and then business events and stuff like that, and then podcasting. And so now there is this switch that, that flips at some point uh, where now I sound the same in my head as I do when I, when I hear my voice. So I don't know if you got to that point yet or not. It's all the same to me. It's just whatever. It's not good or bad. Not, not quite yet, but sometimes I'll, I'll catch, I'll catch some of our podcasts and I'll be listening to it. And I'll be like, wow, I don't sound like an idiot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like eventually it just calibrates. Like you hear yourself recording and through the, through like a PA system enough. And then anyway, uh, that that's only uh, relevant to some, but it is an interesting phenomenon for sure. So fantastic. And then uh, honesty, commerce, wherever podcasts are downloaded or synced to, that's where people can find you. Absolutely. Awesome. Chase Climber, ladies and gentlemen. Chase, thanks for coming on, man. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks for helping us tackle a topic we have not explored in detail on this show. And we will have to connect again, my friend. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Thank you. And uh, as always, we would love your feedback. Let us know different uh, show ideas you'd like us to explore. We'd love your feedback. We would love your review on iTunes. So if you're enjoying what you're listening to, that five-star review does help other people discover the podcast. So if you are so inclined, it would help us a lot. Uh, go ahead and do that. And with that, until next time, thank you for listening. All right, that is a wrap. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.